3: Welcome into the grid here. This is the early line on a Thursday morning, September 22nd. And we have NFL action tonight, college football. Our goal is designed to get you ready for your sports grid day. It's Donnie Wrightside along with Mike Blewett. Mike, good morning.
4: Hey, buddy. Good to be here with you. Obviously, a lot going on across the sports world. Big news in the NBA, which hasn't even we're like a couple of months away from getting any real action there but obviously a lot going on including thursday night football yeah mike
3: usually it's the nba and you know we're all fired up for free agency or the nfl providing those highlights off the field in march april and may but the nba is certainly popping as you said mike let's get to the seven and seven topics first one ownership rights maybe switching over for Phoenix Robert Sarver says he's starting the process of selling the NBA's Phoenix Suns and the WNBA's Phoenix Mercury some things came out you know some back from 2004 some things were said some actions certainly deemed not great for the NBA's outlook and they came to an agreement it looks like where the Suns are going to be up for sale
4: So as much as we've seen in over time that it's very difficult to displace an owner in any major sport we actually have seen this happen now a few times due to the ownership's conduct robert sarver has long been known to be not a great guy at all say it Uh, people think he's possibly the worst owner in all of major american sports so for these things to come out he was he was under suspension he's just saying forget it i'm not going to deal with it anymore I don't know what kind of role the NBA played in pushing him out the door, as they did with Donald Sterling. But remember, with the Carolina Panthers, Jerry Richardson was facing a lot of accusations, and he just said, forget it, I'm out. So that might be the situation here. And I think a lot of people are going to be happy to see Robert Sarver go.
3: Yeah, also, it was to include it for the NBA, a year suspension, $10 million fine, but maybe the stuff that started to push him out was teams that were, excuse me, not other teams. Well, obviously they're upset with that, but sponsors coming and saying, yeah, at the end of our contract, we're not renewing here. So money talks, and when that happens, owners do walk. Let's take a look at the Udoka. Significant suspension. Woj was up late last night, Mike. What's going on in Boston? Well, looks like due to some sources, the Boston Celtics coach, Ime Udoka, facing disciplinary action because he may have had an inappropriate relationship with a female member of the staff, Mike.
4: Yeah, the story on ESPN from Woj is that it was an intimate, consensual relationship. But obviously, as a member of any organization, if you don't disclose relationships like that, there's generally HR language that prevents people from doing this. I, I know it often happens anyway, but uh, this obviously got to the point where it became a problem. I don't know what happened with that relationship. None of us do, ultimately. Uh the Doka is married, but apparently may be separated. Uh, but that's really not here or there. It, it's really about having a relationship with somebody internally. And the Celts frown upon it. But, Donnie, the suspension of a year, I think, is what's t- going to take a lot of people back and, and pause and say, wow, you get and get a year for that. I would almost think that it's either a firing or a shorter-term suspension, I think that's what surprises me is the one-year suspension.
3: Yes, yeah, salacious details due to follow today. No doubt about that, as we say. Oh, man, where is this story going to end up for the Boston Celtics? Well, as we welcome the radio audience in. Sirius XM Channel 1 to 59, radio on the Sports Grid Network. This is the early line. Mike Blewett and Donnie Wright here on a Thursday morning with our seven and seven topics as we keep moving down. Now, Kevin would have loved this one, Mike, here. Jimmy Garoppolo was supposedly on his way to the Washington commanders. So Carson Wentz would have never landed there, but Jimmy Garoppolo decided to get shoulder surgery, which angered the front office for the 49ers. They end up not trading him. And maybe it was a godsend after all, where Jimmy Garoppolo is now the starting quarterback for the 49ers. Why? Because Trey Lance is out for the year with a broken leg, Mike.
4: Yeah. We kind of knew that Jimmy had timed this shoulder surgery really perfectly. It put the Niners on pause And I think it gave him a little bit more time to figure out what he might ultimately do. But all's well that ends well, I guess. Jimmy G has played Mm -hmm. well for them. I know a lot of people are done with him, but uh, we'll see. I think the Niners are a very good team. I think they're going to compete all the way to the end. We'll see if Jimmy G can just play a tick better in one of these championship games.
3: How about this one, too? The Green Bay Packers, and I love conspiracy theories. John Runyon Sr., longtime right tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles, is now in charge of discipline in the NFL. And why do we have a mm-hmm. conspiracy theory on Mike Evans sitting out? Where's the correlation? Well, John Runyon Jr. plays for the Packers. I love me a good conspiracy theory here on an early Thursday morning, Mike.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh Nice job by the Runyon family for the dad to play a dozen years in the NFL, get promoted all the way to be head of disciplinary action, just so on a week three matchup during a random season, he could suspend a key wide receiver playing against his son. Nice job. I mean, it's a hell of a conspiracy and nice job Mm -hmm. of them executing.
3: Two touchdowns by the Yankees last night, but Aaron Judge stays at number 60. Some quick golf notes to throw in here. The President's Cup tees off today, so no more live golf versus the PGA Tour. Now we can see what happens here in the President's Cup. And also quickly here, Herbert feeling better for the Chargers to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars, Mike.
4: Yeah, so uh, obviously big news there. But feeling better is one way to phrase it. I wonder what that actually means when the rubber hits the road on the field.
3: Yeah, how's he going to feel better there? Maybe they'll take care of him in the locker room before the game so he feels no pain. There might be some pain tonight, people. Thursday Night Football, up
2: next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
3: on back in. It's our number one here of the Early Line on Sports Grid Network, Sirius XM Channel 159. Mike at Donnie Wright's side here in the morning. It's time to talk some NFL action Thursday night football, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, old division rivals. I guess it's a rivalry maybe to the Browns, but over the past 20, 30, 40, however many years you want to go back. Steelers have usually owned the Browns. But if we set up the table tonight, 301, 302 on the rotation, Mitchell Trubisky and Jacoby Brissett teeing it up there in Cleveland tonight, kickoff at 8 15. This line has been on the move, Mike, all week long. FanDuel Sportsbook yep. opened up this line at a minus two-and-a-half point favorite here towards the Cleveland Browns. We saw this as high as two days ago, five-and-a-halves, maybe approaching sixes, but now we see it back down. Four-and-a-halves earlier this morning have turned into fours, 38-and-a-half as a total in this game. No rain in the forecast tonight, Mike, but we do have windy conditions, gusts into the 20s. Let's talk some Thursday night football tonight.
4: So when it comes to the conditions <clears> – <throat> We see really a breaking point around 17, 18 miles an hour. So if we see consistent yeah. wind over that point, then it's something to be concerned about. Obviously, the gusty winds can still have an impact on the game, but I think both of these teams are focused on running the ball. The angle that I liked the best from the beginning, even with the low total, was thirty-eight. Was under 38.5. I just don't really... Uh, these Thursday-nighters, Donnie, we know that they very often are going under now this is a really low number and you're going to be tempted to bet it over but i just don't really know how we see points here scored offensively obviously a random defensive touchdown is in play with both of these defenses but stefanski as a coach right now is one in 11 against the spread versus divisional opponents since he's been head coach he's the least profitable coach against the spread versus divisional opponents in the last 20 years, it's via Bet Labs. So he has not done a good job of covering against divisional opponents. And I would just say that for all that, you see the terrible towel behind here. I'm not trying to be a homer. For all the <laughs> terrible offensive play that we've seen from the Steelers, not just this year, but last year, they are dangerous when they're an underdog.
3: If we take a look at some of the you know outlying factors, as we talked about, maybe, you know, Thursday night football, a little bit harder to prepare. These guys are used to getting a full week there to get their bodies ready from Sunday to Sunday. Now that's accelerated. But the one decent thing here that we have going for it, sometimes if it's let's just say the Seattle Seahawks, Mike, right? And they got to travel, you know, a thousand miles to play a football game on a Thursday night. It's not really the case in this one. Pittsburgh to Cleveland, quick little junket out there. So maybe not that overall jet lag or boy, it's a full travel day. We didn't get to practice. So I think that's gonna weigh in a little But if we're looking at these two teams side by side, you look at the games last week. Pittsburgh certainly uneventful in a loss to the New England Patriots at home, but you had the Cleveland Browns off their opening day miracle field goal kick win. And it looked like they were cruising their way to a two touchdown victory over the Jets before the bottom fell out in the final two minutes and they end up with a loss. Psychologically here, do we feel that the Browns might have a hangover from that football game where they felt they should have won? Or is this one of those things that charges up the locker room and says, we can't let this happen again. Let's make sure we're focused for a full Sixty minutes out there.
4: Yeah, it's a real good question. Uh, we hadn't had a scenario where a team lost like that in the last <laughs> twenty years. The Browns were the last team Crazy. to do that, where they blew a two-touchdown lead inside of the final two minutes. So I almost wonder that if the Thursday nighter is an advantage to them, they get to get right back out on the field and say, you know what, that was a terrible situation that happened, but we get to play three days later and try to forget about it and pound a divisional opponent. I'm really curious. But we still have an issue, Donnie, with both offenses. Neither yes, quarterback has lit it up. Uh, we they now are both teams are one and one. The Steelers, obviously, if you caught the Steelers early in the week last year, they'd be uh, earlier earlier in the week last week. You'd be two and zero oh against the spread. They've been underdog uh, in both games, obviously winning outright, and then uh, covering uh, a two and a half. Uh, or rather sorry if you had it at three you'd at least would have pushed with the Steelers so I think it's actually an advantage for the Browns to get right back on the field I think if they had a couple of extra days to linger and think about it I think that might hurt them a little bit more they'd have to answer more questions in this instance they get right back out on the field it's a home game like you said travel does not really matter this is basically a bus ride uh, for the Steelers I just think that Given the fact that the total is so low, and I expect it to be low, I have to take the points here, Donnie. It's just, it's just simple math. If you're catching four, four and a half, and you're expecting a low-scoring game, I think the Steelers will probably lose and keep it close.
3: Yeah, and I I do think you're correct on that one because if we're taking a look at the public betting angle for this game, particularly with the FanDuel Sportsbook, they're showing 76% of the bets on the spread coming in for the Steelers. 73% of the money at the FanDuel Sportsbook is on the Steelers, and rightfully so. You know, this line opened up at the 2.5, which again, was probably one of those real quick early numbers, moves right away, so you're up around that touchdown level, and the betting public has responded, and that line goes from 5.5 two days ago down to 4. We'll see where it gets to game time, but let's take a look at some of the keys to the game now typically if we have two offenses that are struggling you're probably going to hone in on how the defenses are going to do or try to clamp down on these teams that we don't expect a lot from on offense particularly with explosive plays now for Cleveland okay Jadavion Clowney Miles Garrett let's get after it well Jadavion Clowney is not going to line up tonight and Miles Garrett was actually questionable for this game just a day ago he's been cleared to play he'll be active and rightfully so they're going to like that for the Cleveland Browns on the defensive side now another guy that used to wreck the offense for the Cleveland Browns was T J. Watt, not available in this football game. He's still going to be out at least another month until they figure out how serious that pec injury is and if he can come back here. So if we're looking from a defensive edge, I, I, the pass rushes, which usually would crush these two quarterbacks, maybe a little bit of a reprieve tonight here? Or does Miles Garrett just go out and say, you know what, I got five sacks on the season. I'm ready to rock and roll tonight.
4: Yeah, I think Garrett's obviously the best player on the field for the Browns. The Steelers are working with Alex Highsmith uh, on the pass rush, and Minka Fitzpatrick has obviously made some impact plays early. But the concern for me is that, and this occurred last year, the Steelers have led the league in sacks five years in a row. So they're always going to get a good pass rush, whether Watt is there or not. He obviously is a major loss. But they did not do a good job either last year or in the first two games this year of stopping the run. They are currently... Uh, they've given up 257 yards rushing in the first couple of games. And considering that's how the Browns are running their offense through Nick Chubb who has been good to start the year. I just think this is a slow down. Let's take the easy ones. And I think they're going to try to wear the Steelers down. Uh, Brissett, like we just mentioned earlier, isn't lighting it up. I just think that, yes, Garrett can have an impact. Steelers offense, offensive line played a little bit better in week two but it didn't really translate to anything. I, as a Steelers fan, Donnie, my frustration mm-hmm. does rely with the offensive scheme. I don't think it particularly matters who's the quarterback. I know a lot of people are calling for picket, but with the generally weak play of the offensive line and an offensive scheme that is really basic to me, I just think they're going to have a really tough time throughout the year. They need to get that fixed, slamming Najee Harris into the line of scrimmage 350 times isn't going to net a lot of points. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, Pat Friermuth, these are really good skill players that they need to get out in space
3: Gotcha. And also, I misquoted myself here. Three sacks on the season from Miles Garrett, not five. It just seems like he has five sacks. He's been uh-huh. everywhere through the first two games of the season. Uh, passing games, as we said, both of these teams, about 175 yards per game in the air, windier conditions. It probably will be ugly. Is this one of those games that we take a look at here, Mike, and just say, I trust Tomlin? When things are going bad for the Steelers and you don't think you can win on opening day and you get five turns, you somehow pull that game out. Last week, close game, hard fought, but you did lose to New England. Is it just about trusting Tomlin in these spots here?
4: I think it can be. Like I said earlier, they are dangerous when they're underdogs. I mean, they were a touchdown underdog in week one and they won the game outright. And then last week, it's a three-point game. Frustrating because they could have won that game, but uh, Tomlin is good in these spots. He really is.
3: Get a quick taste of this football game on Thursday night. We're going to hit it pretty hard in hour number two with prop bets, some plays, and something you guys can get down with and certainly hopefully make some money on there. But Major League Baseball, Mike, yeah, I get it. It's September. It's football season. There's a lot to go over, and we're going to hit it next.
5: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
0: Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human,
5: Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey,
4: uh, I was just in an accident.
5: Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of.
0: At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica. Empathy
1: is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, races you did it you stumped this charming devil
3: back at it right here on the early line on a thursday morning it's mike lewitt and donnie Wrightside, sirius xm channel 159 on the grid major league baseball action last night you know where we're going to start out in the nle's two teams mike jockeying for position in the playoffs. Why? Because the NL East is still up for grabs. A game in between the New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves. Yesterday, both of these teams played afternoon baseball. One around 12 o'clock, one around 2 o'clock. You could peek at the scoreboard, see what's going on. Braves took an early 2-0 lead over the Washington Nationals, only to see that disappear into a 3-2 win for the Nationals. So you said the Mets, all right, pressure's off. Must have been pressures off Mike Blewett because a 6 to nothing win here for the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Brewers needed that victory to stay within the Philadelphia Phillies' two-and-a-half games, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But the NL East, Braves lose, Mets lose. Pretty rare that both of those guys go down on the same day.
4: Yeah, it's really been more about both of them winning on the same day. As hot as the Mets have been, as hot as the Braves have been or the Mets have been, they've been kind of matching each other. The Mets are just yeah. trying to keep them at bay for now. But... Uh, yeah, I think Mets. I think uh, Braves fans were happy to see that L a little bit later in the day from the Mets. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the Mets because again, we're on the twenty
3: second of the month. They play into a little bit into the first week of October, so let's call it two weeks left into the season. If we take a look at the division winner statistics here, should I say odds at the FanDuel Sportsbook, the New York Mets, Mike. Minus 230 price, the Atlanta Braves, a plus 175. If you are a betting man right now, is it advantageous to jump on that plus 175 or that one game lead for the Mets and they're scheduled to finish out? Should be enough to get the job done.
4: Yeah, I think the Mets do hold them off, but keep in mind, there's 11 games left for the Mets. The Braves have an extra couple of games. So yes, the Braves are behind, but they're tied in the loss column. Braves have two extra games to play. So uh, there's a little bit to work with. If the Braves pull even in the number of games played, we might have a flat-out tie and a race to the finish. I, I get the sense that the Mets hang on, but you know we're at this stage of the season. Don't we want to look for some plus-money bets wherever they're, wherever they're available?
3: Exactly. That's the name of the game. Get that plus
4: money juice here. Now the next two teams we're
3: going to talk about Houston Astros and the Tampa Bay Rays. When we look from a Houston perspective, they have 99 wins on the season. So obviously the next one is going to be 100. It's a pretty good milestone in major league baseball. Albert Pujols is nicknamed the machine as a Nick, you know, in major league baseball, because that guy analyzes everything and crushes baseballs, but maybe the team that's an absolute machine is the Astros changing pitchers, have a different staff, you know, spin analysis rate here changes up. It doesn't matter. Year after year, this team is really good and pitches phenomenally well. Every time I look at their schedule, now they're coming off a three game sweep of the Rays here on the road, but there are so many W's each and every line, it's like four wins in a row, one loss, five wins in a row, one loss. I mean, this team is absolutely dominant and the Rays need this game more than the Astros and the series more four to nothing Five to nothing and five to two. Only two runs scored here for the Rays in the last three games against the Astros.
4: Yeah, and McCuller shows up, Donnie, in the middle of August, and now he's four and one. He's pitching with a two point three eight ERA. So they don't even have him, and now he comes in and great. Now they have another arm for the playoffs. It's very frustrating. Obviously, the Astros have been the top team in the American League for the last five years, and. Here we are. The fact that they just added McCullers and now he's pitching like this is like, you got to be kidding me that we get to this point in the season. They just added another arm. It's not like they made a trade. It's Lance McCullers, and he comes in, he's pitching great it seems like everybody pitches great there for the Houston Astros no matter who they bring up whatever their pitching
3: coaches are doing whatever spin rate they use or goop that they put on their fingers it certainly has been working here and they can certainly get around some things now the one thing we can't get around here in Philadelphia is the fact that the Phillies Mike have not played good baseball in September for as long as I can remember a team with a high payroll not making major league baseball playoffs since 2011 is quite ridiculous So about two weeks ago, on my high horse here saying, boy, I can't wait to watch some Phillies October baseball. It's going to be fun. And it seems like over the last week and a half, the Phillies said, yeah, you want some fun, Donnie? You're going to sweat this one out. So yesterday, as I'm watching, laying in bed, three to nothing jack, or excuse me, a three-run jack by Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Oh, no, the Phillies are down three nothing. Another loss. I go to sleep, wake up in the morning, prep for the show. Yes! 4-3 to victory for the Philadelphia Phillies. And for me, it felt like a season-saving victory for those fighting Phillies.
4: Yeah, so scoreless all the way up to the 7th, you have the three-run homer. Phillies come right back, score three in the bottom of the inning, and then win it in the 10th. Obviously, this is exacerbated by the fact that the Padres have won five in a row. So as much as the Phillies are slip-sliding away, now you get the Padres on a mini run, and they've pulled in front. In the wildcard race, so they're not out of it. Obviously, I think you're right. Wins like this, this late in the season, feel like a shot in the arm that maybe it it woke them up. But you know, playing 500 baseball uh, through the month of September and the rest of the year isn't going to get it done. I mean, we are getting really close. By this weekend, there's single digit games left, so they got to get on some sort of a seven and three, eight and two run to put this thing away because the Padres all of a sudden are hot.
3: Four games set here coming up for the Philadelphia Phillies against the Atlanta Braves. But after that, we go on the road to close the season with 10 straight road games for the Philadelphia Phillies. So not going to get any of that home cooking late in the season. Good news for the Phillies yesterday. Zach Wheeler did return four strong innings here. Noah Syndergaard gave him two innings. And it looked like that wasn't going to be enough because if you can't get base hits, doesn't matter how good your pitching is, you're not going to win baseball games. So the Phillies end up pulling that one out, which was key. Now a team that we think might not make the playoffs, and it's certainly looking pretty you know dark at this point. The Baltimore Orioles have closed the gap here to within four games of that final wild card spot in an eight to one victory over the Detroit Tigers. And it's not so much you say I don't think they're going to get in. The Orioles being 77 and 71 this late into the season is absolutely phenomenal because for my liking to start the season, I was looking at it going,
4: man, do they even get the 50 wins here, Mike? Kudos to the Orioles. Yeah, I think on the positive side of baseball stories, they have to be the most positive story in the league. Mm -hmm. You and I were talking about this before the show. The fact that they're sixteen teams over 500, and they have a real chance of being over 500. I know it's sort of setting the bar low, but the bar can't be any lower for any franchise in Major League Baseball than for the Orioles. So for them to do this, we just hope that they can capitalize on this momentum and start winning again next year, maybe competing for the wild card again. I do think that they're running out of time here. Their magic number is still 11 to be eliminated, and they're four games off of the pace. So it's a lot to ask for to push over the finish line and actually make the playoffs. But I do give them a lot of credit on the flip side. We talked about uh, negative stories in baseball and it probably resides in the AL central.
3: Yes, it certainly does. And we'll get to that in just a few moments here, but one would figure if I told you Mike blew it, The Yankees got 14 runs last night. It's actually a 14-2 win over the Pirates. You'd say to yourself, oh, I bet we're leading the show with Aaron Judge passes Roger Maris. Not the case here as 14 runs come across, but no Aaron Judge home runs as everybody in the Bronx charged up now of when are we going to see history, and it might come this weekend against the Boston Red Sox
4: and I was saying to you earlier, there's a lot of juice in the stadium last night. I was watching a lot of that game, and it started off pretty good. Judge actually had a couple of doubles to start off the game, so he's hitting the ball well, obviously leading in all three major categories right now, so uh, the MVP is going to be given to him. This is not a debate about Otani versus Judge, but Judge is going to win the MVP. I think we all know that at this point. It's just a matter of whether or not he can break these records, but the stadium nearly full in game against a dead pirates team. And he had a couple of doubles. He struck out at one point and then the, they actually rallied to get him another at bat. And then he walked on four pitches. So uh, kind of a bummer on that front, but Glaver Torres hit two home runs in the same inning last night. Yeah, it's pretty,
3: it's pretty incredible that that actually happened, but it is, you know, the pressure, not only on Aaron judge, it feels like the pressure on the other Yankee players to give him as many batting opportunities as possible. So getting on base any way, shape or form to maybe squeeze out an extra at bat to see that majestic 61 hit into the seats. Now I'll tell you what's not so majestic as you just talked about here, the race in the AL central, because it looks like the guardians are turning the lights out here on the White Sox. Another win against them yesterday. This is like the little engine that could, they're going to wind up in the the playoffs. Good on the Guardians. Tito Francona doing a great job here managing that squad.
4: Agreed. And when we looked at the landscape at the beginning of the year, I was probably on this show six months ago talking about it. I just thought the White mm-hmm. Sox were going to cruise. I just thought that the division was so Me weak too. that the White Sox would cruise. Not that they'd necessarily be a 95 win team, but I just didn't think there was any competition for them. And it turns out they're the t- team that didn't provide. Any competition really an embarrassing season for them, and the Guardians are going to put them away, and they're they're putting them away in style with an eight two win yesterday.
3: Yeah, we'll see what the uh, ending fate here of Tony Larusa is for the following year. That's got to be it, bit, right? Long in the tooth, yeah, it's to get a bit a little bit long in the tooth. Maybe say hey, you've been. Well, this is going to ride it out, but we got to go in a different direction next year, certainly, because I think we can both agree, Mike, the talent is there for the White Sox. Just one of those teams, if you could say the most disappointing in Major League Baseball for 2022, certainly would have to be the Chicago White Sox. And how about this? The Padres starting to act like the Padres here, and the Padres we thought they were at the beginning of the season when they didn't have Juan Soto yet. Hey, Soto, Tatis, and Machado certainly didn't work out that way, not a high batting average for Soto, but back-to-back shutout wins over the Cardinals. You don't have to have a great batting average if you're shutting teams out, Mike.
4: No, man, five wins in a row, like I said earlier, and you mentioned that the Phillies have 10 games on the road. Obviously, you want to see the Phillies in. I, I just think it's a tall order to play the Braves and then go on the road for 10 games. Just by way of that schedule, the Padres might have the edge here, even though that they seem lost for a month and a half.
3: Yeah, it's key to try I and mean, you move your up the ladder, right? If you get that second wild card spot, you're going to get that home game. That's very important because you're talking about 3,000 miles of difference between the Philadelphia Phillies and the San Diego Padres. We're going to talk more Major League Baseball next
2: and a preview of the Thursday Major League Baseball card. Come on back.
5: producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the gulf of mexico it's and not or see what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in america
0: at amica insurance we know it's more than just a car it's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive the hatchback that took you cross country and back and the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool for the cars you couldn't live without trust Amica auto
1: insurance Amica empathy is our best policy Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, that's definitely not a problem Uh, Reese. You did it. You stumped this charming devil.
3: Major league baseball. Yes. Let's get after it here. Have some fun and break down some games. Mike blew it. Donnie writes out here in the morning series XM channel 159 on the grid. This is the early line. And I know most people are focused. I didn't there's football on tonight. What are you talking? Major League Baseball. Oh, I say there's mm-hmm. baseball on tonight and we'll get this football some more a little bit later in the show. First game we'll talk about here in the afternoon, the Los Angeles Angels taking on the Texas Rangers. This is a 205 start today and if we take a look at the starting pitchers in this game, Michael Lorenzen versus Martin Perez, the lefty. 913, 914 on the rotation, as we said again, an afternoon major league baseball game. The FanDuel Sportsbook opened this number at a -134 price and now we've seen it go higher to a -146. The totals across the board today in this game, around eight. If we take a look in this game for me, the betting angle, it's two bad baseball teams. These teams aren't going anywhere. And that's sometimes where I like to pounce on taking an over. I'm actually going to look in this game, Mike, to a team total over for the Texas Rangers. Going up against Michael Lorenzen. Hasn't been kind over the past 30 days to him in Major League Baseball. An XFIP of over six. Low strikeout rate. High walk rate here. He has done very well against left-handed batters. But it's only faced 15 of those over the past month. A weighted on base percentage of 256. But... The power numbers tell a little bit different story. Iso power number to lefties over the past month for Lorenzen. That's at a 286, so certainly elevated. Right-handed batters here going up against Lorenzen over the past 30 days have fared much better to the tune of a 377 weighted on base percentage and an Iso power number of 261. Team total over four, minus 114 is where I'm looking to go in this game. Any thoughts here on some early afternoon insignificant? the Major League Baseball standings, baseball.
4: I had the exact same angle as you were thinking. I expect runs to be scored here. I was thinking more of the macro total, but I I think pouncing on a team total over four probably makes even more sense. So you only have to root for the one team to get you there. But again, two bad baseball teams, like you said. I think the Angels are worse than we thought. Maybe the Rangers are a little bit better than we thought, but we knew they were going to be a bad team this year. And I just wonder, uh, teams playing out the string, I think guys are just going up there and taking some cuts. And I'm with you. I I like runs here today.
3: Yeah, bullpens coming to game. Just want to see what some of the younger kids can do. But you're right. You know, There's never a a time when the batters are going to come up and say, you know what, I'm just checked out. I'll take an 0 for 5 with 4Ks. You get paid by getting base hits. That's why it's an individualized sport. So you're always going to get an honest effort out of the batters as opposed to some of these pitchers coming in trying to work on some things or guys moving up from AA to AAA just to get a look in Major League Baseball with the expanded rosters throughout September. And again, another afternoon game we're going to talk about here. 915, 916, 210 first pitch Eastern. That's Minnesota and Kansas City. I thought Minnesota would hit last night. They did not, but maybe they do today. We're taking a look on the mound. It's going to be Winder versus Hazley. If we look at the FanDuel Sportsbook, an opening line in this game, Mike, of a minus 136, which is actually dropped here, to a minus 126. Yes, as you see it pop up on the screen there, a total across the board that is listed at eight, and I'm actually thinking we do get some runs in this ball game. Hazley, over the past 30 days in Major League Baseball, the pitcher for the Kansas City Royals today, an FIP of over six, actually coming in at 6.50, which is terrible. Light strikeouts, way too many walks. He does have some decent splits between lefties and righties, which means we're anticipating sooner or later that high XFIP that's going to catch up to him here. If we flip it over and take a look at Winder, Winder, however you pronounce it, the ball is probably leaving the yard on him as well. In XFIP over the past 30 days in Major League Baseball at 6.27. And also, if you are a left-handed batter, which a few of them will come up in the lineup today for the Kansas City Royals. That's where you can get after him. 18 batters he's faced from the left hand side of 515. weighted on base percentage and a ridiculous 412 ISO power number. Two bad baseball teams get your cuts up there. Let's go over eight runs for me. Any thoughts on this game here, Mike? Between the Twins yeah, just to, and the the between the two, just to break it
4: down between the two, just to break down between the two teams. The Royals uh, total is just three and a half, so the over Ooh. is at minus 115, okay. and the Twins. Over is being bet up minus 120, and that total is four. So I'm with you again. More runs from bad baseball teams. Yeah, exactly.
3: I mean, that seems like a common theme here. Now, the one common theme for me, Mike Blood, over the past two days is you know what? Seattle Mariners eventually they're going to score some runs here. Let me take them. They get one. All right, let's come back with them. They're going to mm-hmm. score some runs here against James Caprillion, who apparently has turned into, you know, Verlander on the mound here trying to vie for a Cy Young. They scored one last night. So do we come back again tonight with that Mariners game and try to, you know, get a look see on if they can score some runs? I'm actually going to do something a little bit different here. So if we try to line this game up, Seattle and Oakland on the rotation 917, 918. Another afternoon game, 337 Eastern, which is actually a 1237 start out there on the West Coast. Heavy favorite here. Opened up at minus 245 at the FanDuel Sportsbook. That's now down to a minus 240, but sevens across the board here. So we're not anticipating runs, but my angle is going to come from how well Kirby has pitched over the last 30 days here, an extremely low XFIP number of 2.75, high K rate, low walk rate, and take a look at these splits. Just to put these in perspective, Kirby's a right-handed pitcher. A 325 weighted on base percentage for a batter is very good. Anything higher is what you're looking for. Anything lower is below average. If you look at his lefty-righty splits, 51 batters. Mikey's faced from the left side, a 167 weighted on base percentage. To right-handed batters, a 238. ISO power numbers, 175 or higher is very good for a Major League Baseball player. 175 or lower is below average. Kirby splits between lefties and righties an 061 to lefties for an ISO, and an 020 here to right-handed batters. I think it's going to be tough for the Oakland Athletics to score today. I look for the Mariners to bounce back. I'll take them on the run line today at a rough price there, I believe, at a minus 137 as it is. That's the way I'm looking here. Any thought? Seattle's got to bounce back sooner or later. You can't just keep on getting pasted by the Oakland Athletics, or can you?
4: Yeah, to two, two one-run performances after a nine-run performance. So uh, let's try to average it out and, and hope they mm-hmm. score some runs. To your, to your point about uh, Kirby having a good performance, I think that's, that is the way to go because when you look at the Oakland uh, run total for today – it's only two and a half so I don't think you can rely on that because even Damn. if kirby pitches well a bullpen could give up a run and blow your your bet there i think it's a little too low for me to get comfortable so I'm with you I think they get comfortable today behind kirby and uh, get a get a a much needed W here they're still fighting for this wild card spot uh, they haven't played well in the last 10 games but they're still fighting here and they're not out certainly not out of it
3: yeah, jockeying for position. Come on, Seattle, wake up. So I figured here's the day that I get off them. They don't cover the run line, but they win like 6 to 5. And I'm like, yeah, that's perfect here. They finally <laughs> show up at the plate because DRS was not backing them for a third straight day in order to lose money. We'll keep it moving in the afternoon here in Major League Baseball. Say out on the West Coast, 903, 904, a 410 first pitch. And that's between the St. Louis Cardinals and the San Diego Padres. Flaherty versus Musgrove today. And if we're looking at the lines, this one opened up at the FanDuel Sportsbook, Mike, at a minus 132. Now we're seeing it as high as a Minus 142 now, a total that opened up at eight has dipped a little bit to seven and a half. If we're taking a look for me, I actually like the over in this ball game, even though San Diego has shut out the St. Louis Cardinals the previous two days. If we're looking at the pitchers over the last 30 days, just looking at XFIPs, Flaherty hasn't had a good run here. A 5.64 XFIP number, K percentage, 15%, walking close to 10% of the batters. And look at his splits between lefties and righties. Flaherty a right-handed pitcher to lefties, 38 batters, a 4.08 weighted on base percentage, to righties, a 3.53. Now, if we flip it over and take a look at Musgrove, he actually has a 4.58 XFIP, which is a little bit elevated, decent strikeout numbers, doesn't walk a lot of guys, but also Take a look at this, almost a mirror image. Musgrove, a right-handed pitcher, weighted on base percentage of lefties over the past 30 days, a 358. Flip it over to the right side, identical at a 358. Maybe take a look at that San Diego Padres team total at four at minus 104, or just the game over now, sitting at that seven and a half number. I think we get runs today. Come on, St. Louis. You can't get shut out again. Or can they, Mike Lewis?
4: You gotta get you gotta hook up Donnie here uh the Padres obviously off I mean really in a good position right now having won five in a row mm. you said two shutouts back to back yeah. they pulled in front of the Phillies and taking control of the second wild card uh. spot obviously nobody's taken that first wild card spot so um good pitching matchup on paper but like you said Flaherty has not been good as of late so yeah I, I follow your lead I I think I think given the fact that Flaherty has struggled, I think, and the the fact that the Padres have been on a good streak, I think you can at least get a bunch of runs from one side of it and get you there. All we need is a 5-3 game here. That's all we need. That's
3: it. Number 3-3. Three, three. Get the extras. Put up a couple runs here. Ghost runners are our best friends. It doesn't have to be when pretty. we talk about team totals and game overs. It actually doesn't have to be pretty. Give me a pass ball for the win. I'll take it. It doesn't matter. An <laughs> error on a double play ball. I and mean, it all counts the same. You, ca- you cash up here. Now, again, two teams that we're going to talk about right now, Mike Blewett, not really challenging for playoff positioning, and quite frankly, just looking to make it to the finish line to get into the offseason. 905-906. My game here. 635 start. That's between the Chicago Cubs and the Pittsburgh Pirates with Sneski versus Keller on the mound today. How about this? A minus 116 price as a home favorite here for the Pittsburgh Pirates. 7.5 across the board. It's a 7.5. With these two pitchers, but if you take a look at some of the numbers it really backs that up Mitch Keller on the on the last 30 days i should say 4.24 x number which is okay decent strikeout rate though at 25% but his splits are really good including his iso power numbers 69 batters the right-handed Keller has faced over the past month in major league baseball how about this a 117 iso power number to right-handed batters which he's faced 49 of over the past month in baseball and 093 now, let's flip it over to a guy that maybe, including myself, haven't heard much about, Wisniewski. Last 30 days in Major League Baseball, he's faced over 50 batters. How about this? An XFIP number of 3.69, a K rate of over 30%. And look at these splits. 12 batters he's faced from the left-hand side at 072, weighted on base percentage with a zero ISO power number, and to right-handers, a 2.45. I'm taking these two bad baseball teams, and instead of saying, hey, let's get our cuts at the plate, let's strike out at the plate here. I'm going under.
4: Yeah, Pirates have lost six in a row coming off a 14-2 loss to the Yankees and the day before a devastating ninth inning walk-off Grand Slam home run against them. So they're going to need somebody to come in and stop the bleeding here, Donnie, and I guess Keller be the guy to do it. He better be the guy to
3: do it today. Let's say, ooh, action-packed game there, right? Let's flip over to one that actually has some meaningful stuff happening. That's the Houston Astros and the Baltimore Orioles. If we set the table for this one, it's Verlander versus Braddish. 921-922. Night game as well here at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. 7.05 for first pitch. How about this heavy number? Minus 210 price here for Verlander on the road. And an over-under listed at seven at the FanDuel Sportsbook. If we break this down, this is Verlander, and all eyes on him. I guess he can basically clinch up all said and done the AL Cy Young because he has an xFIP over the past 30 days of a 1.73. He's faced 48 batters. His K percentage, Mike Blewett, 52%. So half of the batters, more than half coming up, don't even put the ball in play, which is astounding. Look at these numbers. 24 batters from the left-hand side Verlander has faced. Iso power number against them, zero. Now let's flip it over. 24 batters from the right-hand side Verlander has faced over the past month. Iso power number, zero. And if we flip it over to the Baltimore Orioles side, Bradish has a really high XFIP, which might get him into trouble. But his XFIP numbers, to lefties, a zero over the past 30 days. To righties, an 083. So if I'm looking at this game as well, give me the under.
4: Uh, it's a low under, but I think you've laid out the reasons why the Orioles hey, probably won't yeah. score today. The Strohs have won nine of their last ten and four in a row. The Orioles haven't been as good as of late. We get we gave them props earlier for being six games over 500 at this late stage, but they've only won four of their last ten. Uh, they got the W last night. But uh, um, with the, I, I just don't really see the path for the Orioles to score at all today.
3: No, it doesn't look good there in Verlander. I mean, come on. Give me five, six innings, no hits or no runs. Yeah. Cy Young award winner's locked up. And by the way, in the next short segment, before we hit the top of the hour, turning the cheek. That's exactly what Kyler Murray did. No hard feelings, Mike Blewett. We're going to talk about this next. Come on back.
5: Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of.
0: At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human.
1: Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese, you did it you stumped this charming devil
0: all
3: right short segment here before we hit the top of the hour for hour number two right here on the early line on a Thursday morning Mike Blewett Donnie Wright's out here bringing that heat but I gotta tell you sometimes it's nice to be the bigger man and that's what Kyler Murray is doing Mike Blewett no harm no foul it's all good hey Quote, unquote, no, this stuff happens fast, Murray said. I know every person I've hit in the face, I did it for a reason. I didn't know if he probably didn't know where he was. I don't know. It's a pretty live game. Vegas is Vegas. I'm sure he was having fun. And from my side perspective, I doubt it was a fan that ran down to see Kyler Murray only to smack him in the side of his head, probably reaching out for his high five, a shoulder pad. You know, things got a little bit uh, tangy down there to say the least. What is your thought process it's Good on Kyler Murray. Should he hold the fan to a different, you know, regard? Or let bygones be bygones. Let's move on. Turn the cheek.
4: I think he is in the right to approach it this way. I've seen the video of it happening. He was coming over to say hi to Cardinals fans and celebrate with them. And it looks like the guy's a Raiders fan. and was just trying to tell him to get out of here. I don't know if the guy was intending to hit Kyler in the face like that. He didn't do a lot of damage, so I think Kyler's right to be the bigger man. However, if you're the Raiders or the NFL, you're going to have to do something to protect him, whether it's that fan individually or set up more security or prevent the players from doing that because that has the opportunity to ramp up in a way that you don't want to see.
3: Yeah, it's very preventable there. It's like the Lambo leap where the Packers go into the stands, the crowd loves them, they get hugged up. You don't necessarily want to do a Lambo leap in Vegas, but again, he didn't do that. But also, you can tell the players, hey, you want to get excited, celebrate your team, get in the locker room. Stay away from the fans, particularly opposing fan bases. Even if they don't mean it, it can be perceived a little bit differently here. But good on Kyler Murray, big-time win. Maybe it would have been a little bit different if the Cardinals had lost in overtime and he got whacked in the side of the head. Maybe those thought processes would have changed a little bit. But the top of the hour coming up, hour number two on the arrival here on the early line. We're going to talk a little bit more Major League Baseball, get to the sports professor Rick Arrow, and talk some NFL action. Let's go.